Hockey East play is finally here, and UMass is kicking things off with a home-and-home against Merrimack. Should be a great weekend series. We have everything to get you guys ready for right here. Let's go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 41 of High Character. We have another series preview coming at you guys. UMass's first Hockey East action of the year. It'll be a home-and-home home with Merrimack. We're super pumped for it. Should be a good couple of games. My name is Cameron, and I am joined by my good pal, Evan. Evan, how you doing, man? Doing good, doing good. This is what it's all about. You know what I mean? We're starting up Hockey East play. This is where things matter just a little bit more. You know what I mean? Everything just kind of gets bumped up a level in terms of importance. So I think Merrimack's a really good team to kind of test where we're at in the hockey East slate. And yeah, couldn't be more excited to get the games uh, under our belt. Yeah. And Merrimack, uh, you might remember from last year, had a really surprise year. They finished pretty high up in the hockey East standings when a lot of people didn't expect them to come anywhere close to that. Um, they've always played UMass tough, even in this really good uh, Coach Carvel stretch of UMass hockey. The, uh, Merrimack has always played them tough. So uh, a pretty good, solid team coming in that uh, UMass doesn't always play their best against. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even 100% call it a case of UMass not playing their best. I think Lawler's is a really, really tough rank to play in. Like, I, I was looking up beforehand. I'm pretty sure for the past four years now or past four seasons um, during Carvel's tenure, I think every single game that we've played at Lawler has been a one goal game, um, which is insane to think about. I think a couple of games went to OT, a couple of games were like three, two, you know, two, one, like just really tightly contested games. So it's, I don't even think it's a case of us playing poorly because I remember watching those games and I thought we deserve a lot more than we were getting at that point. And Lawler arena just seems to bring something out in Merrimack. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's their home turf. They, they know it better than anybody else in hockey. East. So that's where they come to play. That's where they play their best hockey. And to a point it, it worries me a little bit, you know, just because historically it's been a, per, you know, a, a place of worry, you know, I'm pretty sure in most of those games we did end up coming out on top. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we do get points when we go to Lawler, but it's just, it's such a scary way to get those points. You know what I mean? Because it, we never really feel like we're completely in the driver's seat, just kind of coasting. There's always that little tinge of worry throughout the whole game. Yeah, it is, in my opinion, the weirdest arena to play at in Hockey East. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's um, basically like the high school gymnasium equivalent of a hockey rink. Um, just a couple of sections of 10 rows of bleachers on each side. The ceiling is really low. Um, we've been there a couple of times and we've seen the puck hit the ceiling in those games a few times. Yeah. Um, smells weird in there. It's just, it's a weird place to play. Um, and yeah, it's been a little bit of a house of horrors for UMass uh, ever since they've started playing there. So interesting to see how they'll come out this weekend. Um, first games on Friday and that's at Mullen center. And then the second game is at Merrimack. We'll be at both of them. So uh, if you see us, hit us up but yeah let's let's dive into the um the specifics of this so Merrimack's coming in uh the record is three and two they're one and oh in hockey east play um in their five games they played St. Lawrence um old coach Carvel school they lost three to one 
Um, they played Clarkson. They won three to two. They played UNH in their one Hockey East game, and they won six to one. Uh, that's a big score there. And then just last weekend, they played a series with Colgate, and they split five nothing and five three. So um, decent little stretch of hockey for them. The the six to one win is impressive. Losing a game to Colgate not so impressive. So um, kind of hard to get a grip on on that team so far this season. Yeah, I think they're, in, in my opinion, if I were to look at their schedule and figure out where they would be right now, I think three and two is, is solid for them. You know what I mean? That's about where I would expect them to be. I don't think they're necessarily overperforming or underperforming. Um, sometimes teams will just get out to a really hard, a hot start and then they'll start to fizzle out. I think they're kind of off to a decent start. And then they, I mean, obviously they went ham against UNH. You know, sometimes that's a team that UMass can, play pretty poorly at times, especially when we play at the wit, which is never fun. Um, I don't actually, do you know if that game was a, was a home or away off the top of your head right now? Or um, I could check. If you want to, yeah, if you want to check that, I'll, I'll keep it running while, while you, you know, I feel like Joe Rogan right now, like, Oh yeah, you want to pull that up on the monitor there? <laughs> you know, just, it was, a, it was a home, game. home game. So for, for Merrimack. So, yep. yeah. So, I mean, that just kind of plays into my idea right there. You know, they, they play very well at home. Um, and especially with UNH being away from home, that kind of just seemed like a perfect matchup for, for Merrimack there. But um, yeah, I think, I think they're off to a very decent start to their season. I don't think they're on, you know, a crazy stretch of momentum, which I think is really good for us, especially considering the fact that we're going to be at Mullins for the first game. We're going to be coming off of a four game win streak right now where we just decimated our previous opponents 14 to one on the aggregate score over the previous two games, which is just completely nuts. So we're riding high, just got to keep playing our hockey, keep playing to our identity, and don't let the fact that we're playing against Merrimack, that's historically done pretty solid against us. We don't need to let that deter us in any way, shape, or form this weekend. Yeah, and you let us right into uh, talking about how UMass has done so far. Um, just a touch under perfect. They, they tied AIC on the road in their first game, but since then, uh, a sweep over number one Denver, four to two and three nothing. And then, like you said, uh, 14 to one slashing of union last weekend at Mullins uh, seven to one and seven, nothing. Um, And everything's really working for the Minutemen right now. Um, I believe they lead the country in power play percentage. Um, They're eight for 16 for 50% conversion rate. Um, They're also uh, 16 for 17 in penalty kills. So the special team is just leading the way like crazy. Um, They're getting really good goaltending, which we'll talk about a little later, but UMass just firing on all cylinders to start the year. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the goaltending. I don't know if we want to bring it up right now or a little bit later, but oddly enough, our starting goaltender, Luke Pavisic, has the lowest save percentage on the team currently. <laughs> he has what, like a 962 or something insane like that. Granted, our other two goalies are rocking shutouts or partial shutouts in terms of Henry Graham. Like that, That's insane, just talking about the goaltending right there. And the special teams have been absolutely electric. Like You mentioned, was it 16 for 17 on the penalty kill? you're not even taking into account, the, into account the two shorthanded goals that we had against Denver. Like, it, 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 if you think about it, you feel like you should add, like, it, it should be like 18 for 17 because they scored in those two. You know what I mean? Like, that's just absolutely insane to me, like, how well we've been looking on the special on the special teams. And I think we've drawn a lot of penalties, in my opinion, over, the, over those four games. You know what I mean? Like, that's just – or, no, five games. Sorry. Yeah, it was five games, not four games. But – 16 power play opportunities across five games. That that means the teams that you're playing against are either extremely undisciplined or you are just outskating the hell out of your opponents to where they need to hook or slash you to try and get an edge on the defensive end. Like 
that's absolutely nuts to me how well we're doing on that end. So I think we're putting ourselves in a very good position to succeed against Merrimack if we continue that play. Yeah, in contrast to that a little bit, uh, 16 power plays they've had. They've also had um, 17 penalties in those first five games. So definitely want to clean that up. I mean, we saw six in the last game against Union, so that might be something to look forward to this weekend, see if they can clean it up on that end. Um, one more note before we get into the goalies and the leading scorers. Uh, UMass's face-off percentage, 56.7%, which is just elite. Yeah, I mean, that's that's been a hallmark of, of Carvel run teams ever since he's really started here. Or I obviously excluding the first season that we we never count that basically anything that we think of because that's really not his team at the end of the day. You know, that was kind of like that's year zero. You kind of get all the guys out, you bring in your team. But regardless of that, I mean anything above 50%, you're you're looking pretty solid on the power play. Anything over 55%, you're looking pretty damn good you know there's there's really no way around that and I mean I I think that's due to a conscious effort by the coaching staff to both you know train the guys to become very good face-off specialists but also I think it's a recruiting thing like I think in my opinion I think that's a major major reason why Josh Nodler was put onto the team I think we we were going to miss that sort of face-off prowess from Lapina when he left at the end of last season and Nodler you know slots right in at that at that first you know first line center spot and he's been doing very well I think Mercury's been doing very well in the faceoff dot as well um I think Faith has gotten quite a few in the faceoff dot I think just all of our centers have been very very solid in the faceoff dot and again I feel like I've said it time and time again I kind of want to find a better way to spin this so I don't sound like a broken record but it's very true that the faceoff wins just help our team dominate possession so much and I think it just really helps us play the style of hockey that we want to play under Carvel. Yeah, it's a big key for like the type of slow, methodical offense that UMass runs. They're not one of those teams that gets out on the rush as much as some other um, teams with a lot of stars, a lot of speed, talent like that. So it's very important to win those faceoffs and get that time in the zone. Honestly, though, just, just to completely add on to that, I feel like this season has been completely different. I think on the rush, we've looked a lot better. I think a lot of, you know, especially against Union, granted, you know, against, I don't want to say lesser competition because I never want to roast another team, but just being honest here, you know, like we, we completely outclassed Union and a lot of that was on the rush. You know, we just had speed and transition and that's been awesome. And again, you can't do that without the puck. You know, we, we would win the puck in our defensive zone off a of faceoff and then we could just break out immediately. And we were getting chances just off that alone, which was awesome. But yeah, we can move on from that. I just wanted to mention though, our rush play has been vastly improved from last year, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree with you. It's a small sample size, but it's very promising so far to see that. Um, so let's jump in uh, to the leading scorers. We don't have, obviously, too many games to go off of, five for each team, but we'll we'll mention the leading scorers. So for uh, for Merrimack, it's Alex Jeffries. He has two goals, five assists. Uh, that's for seven points. And then on the UMass side of things, there's two guys tied for seven points. That's Scott Morrow and Kenny Connors. Each of them have seven uh, Morrow has four goals. Connors has three goals. So um, if you look up and down that UMass scoring sheet after last weekend, very evenly spread. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, just I'll, I'll touch upon the, the Merrimack player first, uh, Alex Jeffries. He, I mean, he, it looks like he's a fourth round pick by the Islanders back in 2020. He put together a pretty tidy season last season with uh, 30, 33 games played 23 points in those 33 games. Not too bad. I mean, you're still below a point per game, but it was a sophomore season. You really can't knock him for that. I mean, he improved yep. 
you know, quite a bit over his previous season. He was actually almost a point per game the previous season. He must have got injured because he was uh, he had 12 games played in his freshman year and 10 points. That's pretty solid for the for the guy there. But um, yeah, it looks like I mean he's over a point per game right now. He's rocking a plus three. He, he looks like he's going to be the guy from Aramac, but I think in comparison to the guys that we have on our team, he, he's just not on the same level, in my opinion. I mean, we got guys like Connors and Mora, just complete game changers so far early on in the season. I mean, Scott Mora, we kind of expected that. You know, we knew what he was doing last season. We, we know what he's capable of and his skill set. But I don't want to say that Connors is a complete surprise, but like – I, if you were to ask me five games into the season, would he be tied for first place? I wouldn't have said that. You know what I mean? I don't, but I'm extremely pleasantly surprised with his play so far. I think he's been, you know, in the right areas at the right time and he, he finishes off his chances. You know, he's a very, very tidy player in that sense. You know, he can pick his spot with his shooting. And that's something that I feel like we've been missing a little bit depth wise in our, in our lineups for the previous couple of years, you know, guys on the, you know, second, third, fourth line, those, those secondary scoring lines, I feel like they just didn't feel as dangerous with the puck at times, you know, like they would be in on a breakaway or in the mid slot, getting ready to rip a shot. And, you know, you'd feel good about the scoring situation, but sometimes we just couldn't pick corners or we would miss the net entirely. Kenny Connors is just, rip and twine you know he's he's finding the soft spots in the goalies and just completely taking advantage so long long may it last you know he's he's playing like an absolute king right now because he was drafted by the kings huge fan of kenny connor's game right now long may it continue yeah and while we're talking about these two uh, i just wanted to mention scott morrow um 26 shots taken so far this year second best on the team is 13 so he has it doubled up um, 13 is Kolo Hara and Elliot McDermott, which is just shows you the presence that he has on the ice so far. Yeah. I mean, I was not aware of that stat. I mean, his shooting percentage is going out the window, but in, <laughs> in, in the same vein though, I feel like a lot of the shots were pretty good quality shots. You know what I mean? Like you really can't knock him for pulling the trigger, knowing what he kind of has in his locker to be able to kind of do that type of stuff. But that, that just immediately makes me think, Kenny Connors wasn't even top three on that list. You know what I mean? And he was sitting there, you know, he has three goals on the year, you know, three goals, 10 shots. That's, that's a pretty solid shooting percentage right there. I'm pretty sure our shooting percentage on the year is like in the high tens or maybe low twenties, which in all honesty is a bit unsustainable. You know what I mean? Like we, we have guys like Koopman, you know, they have two, two goals on what is probably four or five shots. If we're being honest with ourselves here, you know, like there's, there's definitely a couple of players that are, you know, that have more than one goal and probably don't have many more shots than that. You know, like there's, there's definitely guys on this team that are, are not pulling the trigger as much as Scott Morrow, but you got to shoot them to be able to score them. You know what I mean? It's, it's as simple as that. And I think he's able to pull the trigger because he's so shifty and agile with the puck. He can create his own space. He doesn't rely on pinpoint passes and really good, you know, zone iq to be able to you know make moves in behind guys to find the open space he can just do it all himself realistically and i think that's what he's been doing so far this season yeah and just because all of a lot of those shots don't lead to goals doesn't mean they don't end up being really good scoring chances i mean he has the highest plus minus on the team so uh that tells you right there he's creating a lot of offense uh on his own all right so uh i guess we'll switch over to the goalies now um for for umass 
Uh, Pat Luke Pavisic has been the starter. He's gotten four games and he's been just phenomenal. 1.27 goals per game average and a 962 save percentage. Um, that is just sparkling over four games. And then we saw Cole Brady get his first action on Saturday and, oh, just gets his, his shutout in his first UMass game. So uh, the goaltender situation is looking really solid so far. Uh, definitely a question mark coming in, but we really like what we're seeing out of both of these guys so far. Yeah, again, I mean, lowest save percentage on the team is still a 962. That's absolutely insane. You know what I mean? I think a lot of our early stats this season are just absolutely ridiculous when you put it on paper. Um, really hoping that it ends up being sustainable because if that's the case, we're going to be the best team in the league by a considerable margin. But kind of putting that away, I mean, I you got to assume that Pavisic, you know, get, gets the starting nod for that first game assuming he 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 plays to his standard and to the rest of the team standard he has to lock down the net i think for the second game i think at, at this point it's it's no knock to cole brady whatsoever because again i think he looked extremely solid the dude got a 30 plus safe shutout in his first collegiate game or well for us i should say not his first collegiate game in his career but for umass and i think he looked great you know the team in front of him played very solid to enable him to make that kind of performance but it's, it's simply Pavisic's net until it isn't. You know, I feel like Cole Brady just has to be ready, kind of waiting in the wings in order to, to take over that spot if it ever does become available again. But if Pavisic is on his game, he's already earned it. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's his net until it isn't. So I think, you know, he, I think he's going to look great on Friday because we always put in very, very solid, you know, performances, especially at Mullins. I, it makes me a little bit more worried the moment that we step into Waller just due to the history, but you don't know until you're actually in the arena to know how a guy's going to play. So I say we just rock with, with Pavisic for, for this weekend, in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely think Pavisic will get the nod Friday. Um, and barring a, a collapse from him, I think mm-hmm. we'll also see him on Saturday. Uh, if, he's your, if he's your number one guy going forward, do you want to get his feet wet in a more hostile territory, a road hockey East game for sure. You want, he hasn't had that in his career yet. So you definitely want to get him used to that. He played um, at AIC, which let's face it, there was a thousand fans. Uh, more than half of them were UMass fans. So he yeah. hasn't really had like a true, true road game yet. So I'm definitely excited to see what he could do if he slotted in there. I mean, um, j- j- just to touch on that point though, real quick, it, it I don't think Lawler Lawler Rink can hold more than a thousand fans if we're being honest with each other. So I mean, I don't know. I mean, that place is so small. It's like how rowdy can that place realistically get? You know what I mean? Like yeah, that, that's I'm, I'm literally a the, high school rink. I'm thinking the adversity will come more with the uh just like you know what happens with the arena, like the roof and stuff like that. Oh, they yeah. play pretty well there. I don't think it'll be a ravenous crowd that gets yeah. uh that gets on him but i think just playing in a different environment and one that's been pretty hostile towards you of course in particular would be good experience definitely all right and then on the merrimack side they have two guys that have kind of split time this season um hugo olis what a name right there he's started in three games um he's we think supposed to be their guy uh he's a draft pick he has so far this year an 895 save percentage which is no good um, and 2.82 goals per game. Uh, mm. So he hasn't seen many shots and the ones that he has have gone through. Um, and then the other guy, Zachary Borgiel, started two games. His numbers are actually really good. Only one goal per game and a 951 save percentage. So 
I'm not sure exactly what we'll see this weekend, but it's possible that each of these guys gets a game. We'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, that makes the most sense. I mean, obviously, we are not the Merrimack coach, so we cannot completely speculate as to what's going through his head when he's making these decisions. But I feel like you probably split it 1-1. I think maybe you put in Borgil on Friday just because he might be the hotter hand. Um, You know, you kind of figure you throw him into the fire thinking – He's given us our best chance to win so far earlier on the season. And they kind of want all the advantages that they can get going into Mullins, in my opinion. And then maybe if, if you really do think that, that Olas is the guy, I mean, this dude's six, eight, you know, like this dude has NHL size. There is no way around that. So if they're trying to, you know, kind of make him the guy going forward and, you know, maybe they want to get him as comfortable as humanly possible. They put him in for the Saturday game at home, just so he's kind of in familiar surroundings. He can kind of settle in a little bit better. I have no idea, um, but it is definitely an interesting dynamic knowing that you have one guy with, with one last game played with infinitely better stats in that, in that department. But I mean, Olas just, he kind of has the pedigree behind him, I guess, you know, he was drafted by the Rangers. He's six foot eight. I'm not trying to like completely just push in this, this tall person agenda, you know, in the net, but that, that does tend to be how, how things are going nowadays in the NHL and just, overall in college hockey you're trying to get the the bigger guys whenever possible but yeah i i'm very interested to see who they end up throwing in net for these games yeah me as well so uh yeah that just about does it for for our coverage um any any keys to the game anything that you think can get you mass the edge this weekend yeah i mean i'm just thinking back to all the things that we always hear from carvel you know whenever whenever we we hear from him it's just don't think about the team in front of you, you know, play to our standard, play the hockey that, that they practice day in and day out and just keep up with the work ethic and the character and the compete because you get what you deserve. The dessert, you know, the, the results will come, you know, if you, if you play the way that you're supposed to and that the coaching staff instills within your brain, you're, you're going to be good to go come game, come game day. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be no different with these guys. You know, that was clearly what we did. We did that against Denver worked out amazingly. Did that against Union. Worked out amazingly. The, it, it, I don't know if you've ever seen, you know, we, we might have to have the audience do a little bit of visualization with this, but you ever see the picture on Twitter where it's like the Grim Reaper? And he's like like chopping through all the doors. Yeah. Like you just figure the Denver logo is on one of them. You got the Union logo on another one. Merrimack just the next one in the way. You know, like you just got to keep rolling through and just keep chopping down your enemies. So that's all I got to say. Yeah, UMass going for their third straight sweep, which would be incredible to see. My key to the game, um, I'm just going back on my memories from other games that I've seen at Lawler. And one thing that sticks out in my mind from those games is the amount of goals that Merrimack has scored um, after turnovers, just kind of odd man rushes after mm-hmm. taking advantage of a, of a bad UMass pass. That's how it's totally not backed up by stats or anything. That's just how I, how I see goals going in for Merrimack at that rink, uh, a memory that I have. So um, I think UMass really needs to take care of the puck this weekend. I think if they're able to do that, they should pretty easily be able to handle Merrimack, in my opinion. Yeah, when you started speaking about previous games, the first thing that popped into my head via my quote-unquote eye test, I guess, is just greasy goals. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of goals that were both scored you know, against us and by us were just you know, screens that would go through three or four guys that would just kind of trickle into the net. I remember, you know, I forget who scored it. It might have even been 
it might have been the one game that I didn't go to. I think you were there, though. I think it was last year or the year previous. I'm pretty sure Colin Felix ended up scoring it. And yep. I remember that one being being too pretty. I think I think Nathan Strauss had a pretty good call of that goal, if I remember off the top of my head, though. He was like, Colin Felix, how do you do? You know, like, it was, it was yeah. a pretty nice call. I remember that. And, uh, you know, that was, you know, obviously a great goal to remember. But just I can't really remember too many just, like, tic-tac-toe, beautiful, skillful goals. You know, like, mm-hmm. it would always just be a grind it out along the boards, throw it out in front of the net and pray. And I think that could very well be another another weekend like that for, for us. But – I feel like we've had similar moments, you know, especially against Denver, you know, some of our goals were just literally, you know, the goal score would be behind the net by the time the puck goes in, you know, and you're just thinking like, how the hell did that even go in? But you got to get puck luck, you know? And I think, I think Lawler's one of those arenas where puck luck really is a determining factor in which team kind of gets the upper hand. And I'm really hoping that that's in our favor this weekend. Yeah. If you go back and look at that Colin Felix goal, you'll, uh, you'll see, see a guy in a kale jersey doing a fist pump on the left side of the screen that was me at that game that was that was a great moment um one more thing before we go I just wanted to update everybody on the national rankings um a little disappointing this this week UMass only moved up one spot from number six to number five they did get two first place votes uh which you'd love to see Denver who they swept pretty handily a couple weeks ago is ranked number three so two spots ahead of UMass with seven first place votes, which is um, interesting. Might be a little bit of uh, Western hockey bias going into that. Um, And then just for reference, UMass tied with AIC. um, They are basically the number 21 team. Uh, They're the the team with the most ranked votes that was unranked. Um, And then Merrimack does have one ranked vote. So I guess you could, you could consider them in the, in the top half of the country in college hockey and then obviously union doesn't have any so um should be a good test for umass this weekend i'm excited to get going uh like i said we'll both be at both games so if you see us there uh give us a shout for sure but uh yeah any anything else you want to say uh yeah i'm just extremely disappointed in the uh the national polls that they're just blatantly disrespecting umass like that i mean yeah i don't know something just doesn't sit right with me when you sweep the number one team and then you know, a couple of weeks later, they're still ranked ahead of you. It's like, what? Like, I don't know. I mean, again, I don't want to act like I'm some sort of big hotshot, you know, sports writer that deserves to get a vote, but like, just logically, just something's not adding up there. You know what I mean? Like I was looking on Instagram and Twitter, just all these other, you know, college hockey pages, you know, they kind of do their own rankings and stuff. They had UMass in the top three, mainly top two. They had us as the second best team. And it's like, what you know what I mean like I don't know I just it doesn't add up to me but I just I didn't sit right with me knowing that if if we were to go through this episode and I didn't say something it just would feel weird so I don't know I just feel like I had to kind of speak up and I mean I don't think I have a very unpopular opinion I think anybody that's listening to this noticing the fact that we're all basically UMass fans if you're listening to this pod if you're not I'm really curious as to how you found us but (laughs) regardless of that I mean it's just completely wacky to me that just UMass is not getting the they're still getting respect but I don't think they're getting enough respect mm-hmm. yeah I'm I'm with you there they and we'll see uh hopefully it tosses some more fuel on the fire for these guys puts a chip on their shoulder um just use it as more motivation I mean go out and do your go out and do your job against Merrimack this weekend and you might see that that ranking climb even higher but Certainly. uh 
other than that, I think that's all we have. We look forward to seeing you guys at the games. Look forward to another another home and home set. We love those, especially when we can go to both games. So it should be a great time. Um, it's all from us. Go UMass. Go UMass. Take care, everybody.